Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Alphabetical Fugazi, the only podcast that devotes an episode each to discussing every song in the band's catalog, from Fuga A to Fuga Z. I'm your host, Ian James Wright, and joining me today to discuss Bulldog Front from 13 Songs, originally from the first self-titled EP in 1988, is the founder of Sell the Heart Records, Andy Pohl. Andy, welcome to the show. Hey, Ian. Thank you so much. Yeah, so to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We first got in touch because, uh, well, to get right to it, um, your label, Sell the Heart Records, um, there's a a tribute record, a tribute to Fugazi, uh, called Everybody Wants Somewhere. Um, so let's let's just talk about that first, if you want to. Um, just uh, sure. Tell me a little bit about the record. Yeah. So uh, I mean, Fugazi's been a band that I've just held like so much love and you know respect for since you know junior high, and you know easily one of my favorite bands of all time. Uh, you know, I've, I, you know, kept up with them, you know, throughout their entire career and, you know, just have so much respect and like, they've influenced me so greatly. And I wanted to, you know, I, it's an album that I wanted to put together for a long time, but never really just had like the, the means to do so. And, you know, after sell the heart had been around for a few years um, I started kind of thinking a little bit more about it and, you know, I, I ended up just reaching out to some, some friends of mine that are in bands and saying, Hey, like I have this idea and like, what do you think about it? And everyone was just like, dude, yes, we should, you should totally do this. Like, why haven't you done this before? And, um, you know, so a- after, cause cause initially I, I, I gotta say, like, I was a little intimidated by the idea of doing it because, you know, not, not to sound like too much of a fanboy, but I just, I really, love this band and like i i love everything they stand for and you know i wanted to make sure that if i was to do it that it would be done with like a a high degree of integrity and like you know wouldn't just be like oh we're gonna we're gonna do this comp that's gonna be a bunch of covers and you know i wanted to be very thoughtful i wanted it to have like a, a little bit more of a unique approach to it and you know i i think it was good that i waited a little while as opposed to just rushing out and doing it uh, as a flash of the pan, like, Oh, we're just going to get a bunch of bands and cover Fugazi. But, um, the end result I, I I'm super happy with, I mean, every, every band and artist that was, um, a part of it just put such a really cool, uh, uh, cover together. Uh, many of which are extreme. I wouldn't necessarily call them extreme, but, you know, variations on what, you'd think Fugazi is all about. Like you've got some like kind of electric, electric, you know, electronic synthy kind of vibes, you know, you've got a few that are a little bit more straightforward. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, I just think it's, it's really come together really well. And, you know, with, uh, the mission of using the, uh, the, the proceeds that we raise from the sale of it to go towards local nonprofits as like a, uh, a piece of what it's all about. I mean, that's, you know, it makes part of the, uh, the process of doing it even better. And like the fact that we've been able to, to put some of that money into the community is, is really, I think at the heart and soul of like what that band is all about. So it's been really fun. It's been great. Yeah. I, I had a lot of the same concerns, uh, as you're describing starting this podcast project, like, so I, I get that there's a lot of pressure when it comes to a band we love like this to, to get it right. Um, is there, are, are there like, if listeners want to, you know, 
just have a little sample. Um, are there a couple of songs that you'd point out in particular? Like, hey, go go check this one out. Uh, yeah, from from the tribute album. I mean, I I, I really don't want to like point out anyone in this in terms of like my favorites or anything like that because I, I really do think that all of them are like unique and like special in like, their own way. Um, because you know, as as people and as artists that respect the band, like um, you know, it was it was really great to know that so many of them were like, oh yeah, like I want to be a part of this. Like it's not just oh okay, I'll I'll take you up on that offer. It was more like no no no, no. this is going to be awesome. Like I really want to do this. So, um, but uh, but if there were a few that I that I really uh, I guess could point to that I think were really kind of unique. Um, Jonah Matranga did one that I thought was really, really cool. He did Suggestion. Um, and then uh, the band Narboots did uh, a, a version on uh, um, I'm So Tired that was uh, really, really cool. Uh, just so, so out there and so different. Um, and then, uh, I mean, you know, it was really cool to get Screw 32 uh, to, to be a part of it. Cause they were a band that I was really, really into back in the, uh, my earlier years in high school and stuff. And, you know, I had a lot of respect for them as well. And, you know, I had heard that they had recently gotten back together and were starting to do some shows and stuff. And so I, I just kind of blindly reached out to them and said, Hey, like I'm doing this thing. I like your band. Do you want to do this? And they're like, yes, we're doing it. And we already know what song we're doing. And I'm like, okay. So that was that. And then, um, I mean, it turns out that, you know, it was, it's the only song that at least that I'm aware of that they ended up recording when they got back together for like their brief reunion. So that's kind of special to me too, because that's another band, like I said, that I had a lot of respect for and, uh, admiration for back in the day. So that was really cool to be a part of that. But, um, you know, it was really cool to get a contribution from like No Knife, um, the band, uh, White Murder from LA did a great job, um. Um, my buddy Tony Pennington uh, did a really, really cool version of um, the song that he did. And then, uh, yeah, just like, you know, it's kind of all over the map. And you're in the band Snipers, right? Yeah. Uh, so my band, well, yeah, one of the bands that I was in for many years called Snipers, we did uh, Arpeggiator, um, which was kind of fitting because we're an instrumental band. And, you know, it, it was a song that I always kind of like focused on a lot um from that album um it was kind of like the one of the ones that really stood out to me um and that's one of those things about fugazi that i always kind of liked was that you know they didn't mind just throwing an instrumental track on to their albums you know kind of like in like a neat kind of twist you're like oh this is just instrumental that's pretty cool you know yeah like if uh, anything that's understating it they instrumentals once in a while is is a core part of what i think about when i you know think about fugazi and and who they were and how they did things um oh it was like essential yeah like i mean it it was it was honestly like you know i remember when i heard uh sweet and low for the first time i was like wow there's there's no lyrics to this like are there going to be lyrics there aren't okay and then you know but but you kind of you come back to it because you're like dude it's a really good song like i I mean like back then the only instrumental music that i was really even kind of aware of was like classical or jazz or you know something in that vein like i didn't i didn't just listen to instrumental music like and yeah i I had no concept of like post-rock or you know um ambient rock or anything like that um so they were in a lot of ways like 
the first band kind of within that kind of vibe that I even knew about, you know? So like that, that goes to show just how much of an influence they had on me, you know? Yeah. I think you guys did a bang up cover of Arpeggiator. I really liked it. And, and listeners who, uh, remember our arpeggiator episode will uh, recall that I gave it five stars. It's really one of my favorite Fugazi songs. You guys did a great job. It's like it's a very faithful cover, and, but then it's it's got some like lovely ambient guitar, sort of like post rock guitar sounds over the top. Um, just sounds really nice. So uh, congrats on that one. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we it was it was an interesting song to try to approach because you know it it's pretty well. I mean, a lot of Fugazi stuff is like excellently put together you know um but like that song in particular because it's just kind of like this train that keeps kind of like chugging along you're like okay like this is the vibe of the song like i i think that if you i mean you probably could change it up pretty interestingly i mean obviously it could be done but i i just felt like dude like let's just take it for what it is and just add our twist to it and, th- and that's exactly what we did was we just kind of added a little bit more of like a spaciness and you know, some reverb and a little bit more delay. And, you know, it, it, I appreciate that, that you, uh, you liked it. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Apart from Fugazi's influence on you as a musician, I was just curious about, you know, you as the founder of a record label, um, I, I have to, uh, I'd have to assume that Ian and Discord influenced you somewhat uh, in that regard too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. 100%. I mean, when you, when you think about the model of what an independent record label kind of looks like discord is is clearly one of those labels that just kind of you know shone the way for everyone you know what i mean it's not like they were the first one you know by by any stretch i mean you know there were plenty of independent labels around for for decades you know but um you know especially in in regards to like the, the the punk rock scene and 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 that I mean you you can point to like Discord you can point to like alternative tentacles there's like Touch and Go there's you, you know uh, Tang and you know so so many but you know I think because um, I, I mean one of the things about Discord that I, I think really helped to elevate them was that obviously you know they had the the, the minor thread and you know Fugazi you know connection but um, you know they they really wanted to like show what their scene was doing, you know, and, and like really emphasize like, Hey, like this is like us, like this is what we're doing. And like, you know, we're going to do it our way. We're not going to like, you know, try to reach out and like get like any funding from like a bigger company, like what Epitaph and like some of these other ones have done with like major distribution and all that stuff. And that's fine. You know, I mean, kudos to them for being able to do that. I mean, I've, I've had plenty of Epitaph records too, but, um, and I, you know, I have a lot of respect for, Gurowitz and all those guys too but um you know in terms of like keeping things within like their own grasp like that's a pretty important thing to be able to do and like I think that's a a huge piece of what those guys stood for and you know the I think that that matters in a lot of ways because you know you then have the say over your own destiny you don't have to worry about somebody else having uh the the opportunity to kind of direct where things are going to go yeah, it's it's such an interesting label. Uh, it's different in so many ways from other record labels. I was just thinking because I always remember, you know, you'd see some people sort of rep their fandom of a record label like the same way they would a band. Like, oh, I like, you know, Merge Records. I like whatever. And it's 
when you think about it, it's like a little weird. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe you respect the you know the the tastes of the people who sign the artists they choose to sign or whatever, but it's still a little nebulous in terms of like a, a thing. Whereas Discord is it's very you know it's it's like this is what's happening in our scene in Washington D.C. Uh, you can you can come to the label, you pick any act, and you'll get a slice of what's happening in that. So so it crystallizes an idea in a way that a lot of labels don't, and that's pretty cool. Well, and I, I think that part of it too is that you know, you know, w- with regards to wanting to like really stay centered around like their world, um, you know, it, it it makes it a little bit more manageable. I think you know because you know it's it's only a few people you know doing that work. You know, so I mean, I, I mean, I personally don't know how many people work for Discord Records. Um, I, I'm assuming that like the peak, it was probably at least a dozen or so, but, um, I imagine that things have changed over the years, you know, because of the way that, you know, people consume music now and they're, they're probably not turning out as many units as they used to, like maybe back in like the, the, the late nineties or something like that. But, but, you know, anyway, when you've got a, a smaller footprint to like physical footprint to work with, um, I, I think it, it makes it more manageable for the smaller amount of people that are working with it. Yeah, it, that's it's interesting the way that, it, like, it's sort of convenient the way the um, the purview of the label dovetails with the fact that like, hey, it's kind of easier to do it that way. Like, we're not we're not going to sell a bunch of merchandise. Uh, we're not going to deal with bands from all over the world. We're going to sell records from bands from Washington D.C. So uh, it's convenient that it's just uh, it's both conceptually cool, but also kind of easier. Right, and you know, I think at the time, especially like that that's just like a model that worked, you know? And like nowadays we have, you know, the internet and we have so many different ways to, to get in touch with people that, you know, if, if discord was starting right now, like it'd be, I, I'm, you know, I don't want to assume anything, but I would, I would assume that if discord were starting today under the same principle, like they'd easily be able to work with like a band in Australia right. in, in the same capacity, you know, versus, you know, the early eighties, you know? So, so today we are talking about bulldog front it's one of the, it's one of the two early Fugazi songs. I I sort of think this is interesting to look at when paired with Waiting Room, right? It's like a, the one-two punch that starts off the Fugazi catalog, um, and it, it's it's interesting to look at that way. Uh, it's almost like presenting really who they are in some ways. Like we have two lead singers. Here they are. Here's Ian singing on the first track. Here's Guy singing on the second track. And then in each one of those songs, um, you have the other one doing sort of backups, right? On on this one, uh, Ian's doing the "You Want to Figure It Out" backing vocals. Um, so so it's like a little a little tiny yin yang to start off the Fugazi catalog. Um, right. So that's pretty interesting. So um, uh, yeah, you you elected to talk about Bulldog Front. Uh, what's the first angle you want to talk about in this song? Well, I, you know, it's it's one of those songs. I mean. First of all, thirteen songs is 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 my favorite Fugazi record. Um, if I had if I had to pick one, I mean, it kind of go back and forth between that one and in on the Kill Taker. But you know, um, it was it was one of those songs that really stood out to me upon like my first couple of listens through the album. You know, I mean, you know, everyone knows Waiting Room, obviously, and that's the one that kind of I think a lot of people get introduced to first. But um, and it, I mean, that was certainly the first song that I got introduced to too. But um, 
you know, when, when going through that album, you know, Bulldog Front was one that really like, stood out to me. And like, it had like a certain level of like catchiness to it that I, I think was easily like, like, oh, like you want to figure it out, you know, like you just kind of like latch onto it pretty easily, you know, because it's got like that, like, yeah, I'm going to sing along to this, like no problem. And not a lot of Fugazi songs do that, like with, uh, with, I think the intention, you know, um, of like having that sing along part, but um, I guess it, I guess it depends on like what angle you're coming from, but, um, you know, after having like digested it quite a bit, I mean, it is like a song that just has a lot of, I mean, like a lot of them do, like they have a lot, it has like a ton of impact and like it resonates on a lot of different levels. You know, it's, I think, I think that you can kind of unwrap it in a lot of different ways too. You know, I mean, is it, is it talking about like racism? Is it talking about like machoism is it talking about like just you know ego in general like like what what's really like at the bottom of what they're talking about and it, it's just got a lot of layers you know yeah the the only uh, i mean t- speaking about the lyrics i think the only thing i can say for sure is you know it presents the lyrics in a very confrontational sort of language right oh it's, sure it's sort of like it's it's almost like a you know We'll kick your ass song. It's like Fugazi's We Will Rock You, you know? Uh, you want to figure it out? We'll throw down. Um, now, of course, you can read that combative attitude in a lot of ways. Like, you know, I am opposed to you. Uh, like, I will fight you physically. You could think of it like we will expose your your falsity, um, your hypocrisy. Um, or, I mean, I, you could even read it as, you know, a, an inner conflict, right? Reassessing your own attitude uh, in the face of, of what have you. Um, so yes, yeah, it's, it's one of those interestingly ambiguous songs, but definitely combative up front. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it has, it has a level of energy that like, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to know because like, I haven't really had a chance to like hear or see any kind of like information from them directly about the song to know where their head was at. Like you could almost kind of feel like, Oh, it's like ironic. Like, like, like they're taking the part of like, like that macho person. It's like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll throw down and like, you know, fuck you up, you know, like that kind of thing. And you're like, well, that's not really them. Like they're taking the role of like the person who's the aggressor, you know, but, but maybe I mean that also, like you said, like could very well just be like, no, 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 we're actually just going to stand our ground. Like we're going to go ahead and not let you like come up and, and show up with this kind of like fucked up attitude without a fight, you know? Right. And, and you know, I, I, if things that I know about like, like Ian and, and Gee and like the guys from that scene, like, it's not like they, you know, were like in a space where they were like, Oh, like we're going to go and like get into a bunch of fights with people. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that like they were probably ready to throw down if they needed to, you know, because shit, like it was the 1980s in Washington, DC, you know, I mean, and they were kids, you know, so kids get into scuffles and shit all the time, you know, and then, and then you get older and you walk away from that shit and you, you get, you, you evolve a bit. So, you know, things, things change for whatever reason, but you know, the, um, the truth is it's like sometimes you have to defend yourself and like that that's true you know and like whether or not that's about this or not like i, I don't know for sure but uh 
I think to your point, like, yeah, like it, it, it absolutely could be about that. Yeah, it's they never struck me as guys who were ever, you know, going out picking fights, but they had a lot of bones to pick with a lot of a lot of different people uh, and were very vocal about it. So, yeah, I, I imagine like they're they're prepared to to mix it up a little bit. Yeah, because I mean, if you if you if you kind of walk your way through the lyrics, you know, like you're it, it's it strikes me as like a song that's basically trying to say something along the lines of like, hey, man, like, you're presenting either a worldview or a mentality that is old and tired and weak, and it's time for you to wake up to the reality of, like, the way things are now. Right. Like, it, 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 it definitely strikes me as, like, a hey, man, like, you're old, you're old news, it's time to move on, let, let the younger generation kind of move forward with this, and if you resist us, like if you like if you try to like get in our way like we're going to push you aside and like it, like kind of like revolutionary in a way without like being so blatantly like hey like we're going to fuck you up you know like that kind yeah. of thing you know yeah that's so funny that you put it that way um because you know when you say that it reminds me of of course bob dylan's the times they are a changing sure uh, and you know as i was listening to this song something that leapt out to me is the delivery of, of the line. Let's knock and check to see if there's somebody home that yeah. the delivery is so Dylan. Did you notice that? He's like, let's knock and check to see if there's somebody home. It's like, it's yeah, so yeah, Dylan. For sure. And, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that there's plenty of nods to Dylan, you know, in their music. Well, yeah, that also got me looking at the line in particular. Um, so, it's I guess four lines he says but I would never say you act without precision or care but it's all attention to armor to the armor you wear so well and I was like that kind of reminds me of Dylan too which is like at least early Bob Dylan songs I feel like he would do this thing it's it's weird that I can't think of an exact example but he would do this thing where he's like I'm not saying you know x bad thing about you but I am saying this bad thing about you and he he did it to kind of funny effect and like those those lines sort of remind me of that. And it's an angle that I never, you know, in all my listening to Fugazi, I never considered before. Like, is Gee is he like a huge Bob Dylan guy? I don't know. I have to I have to apply this framework to uh, my listening to his songs in the future. Oh sure, like I mean, I, I I certainly wouldn't put in past like either one of them to to take a lot of influence from Dylan. I mean, like like me personally, like I, I've never really been like a huge Bob Dylan. Uh, fan, you know, and a, a lot of that honestly is just because I don't spend a lot of time listening to Bob Dylan, um, and uh, you know, so I, I can't really speak to that too much. But you know, you know, being from the time and place that they were at, um, I I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them to to have been influenced by you know somebody as prolific as Bob Dylan. Sure. You know, before, yeah. Um, from. I mean, talking more about Guy's um, songwriting proclivities, uh, I thought I'd call out the, well, first of all, to get this out of the way, this is almost certainly the only song that ever began with the word ahistorical, wouldn't you say? Oh, I, yeah, I, I can't, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for a long time, I didn't even know what he said, you know, cause I was just like, like, what does he say in there? Like, I don't even know what that, <laughs> is that a word is, or is that like many words, you know? Right. Like I thought, I thought maybe like, it's like, like something, something it's cool or something like that. Like, you know, like it's just hard to, to know. And then like, you finally read the lyrics. You're like, Oh, a historical. Yeah. What does that mean? You know? So, <laughs> yeah. 
Um, but what I was going to say is that uh, something I, that I had picked up from Guy's larger body of lyrics is the line where he says, it's time to harvest the crust from your eyes. It's like, oh, gross. Uh, and right. it's like, Guy has a way of writing these sort of uncomfortable body imagery lines. I mean, he does it elsewhere in this song, too. He's like, you know, he conjures this image of like cannibalism, right? You've eaten your own lips flecked, mouth specked. You strip the skin right off the bone. Uh, but he does it in a lot of other songs, too, right? Writing these lines that make you feel sort of uncomfortable. Uh, that's a sure. nice hallmark of his. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like between between the way that he presents his lyrics the way that Ian does, like it, it makes for this like kind of dance you have to do with your brain because you're just like, okay, like is this going to take a dark turn or, or not? <laughs> you know? So, because yeah, Guy's lyrics definitely are a lot more um, like dynamic in that way. You know, it's not to say that Ian like doesn't present anything like dark, but like in in my in my like experience listening to the songs that like Guy is like the the singer and the the main writer like it, it definitely makes for a darker imagery you know speaking of dark imagery the, i i only did a tiny bit of research for this episode which is to look up a little bit about bulldogs um mm. it's that's sort of dark too so the bulldog was initially so there there used to be this you know sport quote unquote uh called bull baiting which mm. is where they would so they would get a bull they would tether it to a stake uh, and then set a bunch of dogs on it, right? The, like the most vicious dogs they could find and sort of place bets on which dog would like eventually wear out and immobilize the bull by like latching onto its snout or something and pulling it down. Um, wow. So really vicious sounding. But, you know, of course, enough iterations of this resulted in these really ferocious and savage uh, breeds of dogs. And, and that's where the bulldog originally came from. Uh, and now since then, I mean, I don't want to... Uh, be like an anti-bulldog person but you know uh, i guess dog breeders have really tried to breed out the meanness of the breeds since that since bull baiting was outlawed um but uh yeah that's that's sort of interesting it gives you a little perspective on uh the the metaphorical possibilities of what a bulldog is is just like a real savage uh ferocious stubborn creature oh sure yeah another thing I want to I want to present this as something that probably is not a factor in the songwriting, but is a possibility that's interesting, which is that the bulldog is the mascot of Georgetown University in Washington D.C. Oh, okay, yeah, actually, yeah, that, yeah, wow, I never even thought about that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Part of me wondered. It was like, I wonder if Gee wrote this after some asshole from Georgetown was getting in his face about something. <laughs> like, it's probably not, but it's uh, it's well, interesting. Well, you know, about. well, yeah, it's. You know, I, it's hard, it's hard to, to know much about the, the mindset of a person in that scene back then without having been there. I'm like, you know, I, I know, I know some folks that, you know, I've had great discussions with about like, especially the Bay area scene, like way back in like the mid eighties. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm a little too young to have like really been like in that at that time. And, you know, everything that they say points to the fact that it was much, much different with respect to it's like, like people actually fought a lot. Like Mm -hmm. there were lots and lots of scuffles and it was because of like, 
you know, you had these hicks, you had jocks, you had like these tribes, like it was just like this tribalism going on amongst the the different peers and the cliques in school, you know, and whether or not it was high school or junior high or even trickled into college, like I, I think because, you know, like your, your social scene was so like relevant and so important. It was like, you wore that like a badge, you know? And I, I think that be, going to beat up on like the, the weird queer or punk kids, you know, was like, like, yeah, man, like totally. We're going to totally fuck up these fucking punks. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, it's like some trope that you see out of like a 1980s, like, you know, comedy, but there's something to that, you know, I mean, that shit was real to a degree. So, you know, I, I actually wouldn't put it past that to be part of the reason for these lyrics. You know, it's, you know, it's like, Hey man, like you're just some kind of macho bro who's getting in my face and like spitting this old tired bullshit. And guess what, dude, I'm not moving. Like I've got, plenty of fucking people backing me up here and like you you ready are you ready for this you know like yeah i think my favorite line it's time like basically says it's time to rage and define ourselves against your line i want to say for people like for young people who get into punk it's something that punk helps them with which is to define themselves i mean it's it's not unique to to kids who get into punk music to be at a loss for what their identity is at all. Um, but, uh, it, it, it presents an interesting way to, to help you gain something like maybe you're confused about who you are or you're confused about what you're supposed to do, uh, what's what your thing is, but something you can always do is define yourself against something that you know is not right, that you know sucks. Um, and, you know, that's something that Fugazi and a lot of other punk bands helped with. They, they pointed out lots of problems in society, um, lots of injustices, and would say, look, here's the problem. If, you want, if you're looking for a sort of purpose, an identity, be against this, because this is happening and this is not right. Um, and I think, it's, you know, it's not only a sort of teenage struggle for identity. I think that continues to be uh, valid throughout life. I'm thinking here about current events and there's like, there's this thing you hear a lot of people say, which is, um, you know, if, if their preferred, uh, political candidates did not say win the primaries and therefore they've decided they're not going to vote, um, as, as if, and, and they sort of have an attitude of like, well, you need to vote for something that is positive in form. Right. You can't you can't just vote against something. Um, and I, I kind of think that's nonsense. I, I always have like it's um, voting against something is just as as noble as as anything else, as any other reason for voting. Right. Like think of think of the archetype of the knight that slays the dragon. Right. The, sure. Why is he a hero? He's not a hero because he's going around the kingdom like laying down railroad or like creating some kind of infrastructure. He's a hero because he identified the most evil shit that's happening in the kingdom. And he, and he like sets his sights on it and he takes it out at, uh, you know, a great risk to his own life. So that's like a hero who's entirely defined by his, his negation of something negative. Um, and, and it's like one of the classic hero archetypes that we have. Um, 
so so yeah, I just think like that's my that's one of the political stances that I think um Fugazi has influenced in me, which is don't be too picky. Vote like vote to affect the the least evil you possibly can at any given opportunity. Uh and that's that's something that's been on my mind uh with current events. Oh, sure. I mean, you know, that, that's something that I feel that if you if you if you listen to conversations that like, you know, particularly because Ian, I think, is the one that, you know, they, they tend to gravitate to the most you know, in, in terms of like discussion and conversation and interviews and whatnot. But, um, you know, a lot of what I get from the way that he talks about uh, politics uh, and whether or not it's current or the 1980s or whatever is like kind of pointing to like what what you're talking about with it's like, listen, like nothing is perfect. <laughs> nothing will ever be perfect. We're never going to get every single check mark like or checkbox checked. It's just not it's not going to happen, you know. So you got to put the the best foot forward and make the most positive change that you can. Kind of like what you're talking about with it's like try to move, try to do the most good while while you can and eliminate the most evil in, in the process. And you're you're never going to get it 100 percent right. It's just not going to happen, you know. So yeah, then. That's no reason to say like fuck it all. It's it's uh Well, right. Yeah, it's like you can't be apathetic, but you can't not do nothing, you know? So yeah. you you like you know, cuz apathy is easy. It's it's very easy to just be like, "Eh, fuck it. I I'm not doing it. I'm not voting. Like voting doesn't matter." blah 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 blah. blah. That's in a lot of ways, I mean, I, I know I'm probably going to get like some shit for this, but it's like, dude, it's a coward's move, dude. It's like, dude, fucking vote dude it's the easiest simplest freest thing to do you know and like not everyone gets to do it you know so do it if anything because like somebody else doesn't get to or something i don't know but but um yeah like this song this song could easily point to so many different ways of looking at like the like either side of the aisle you know, like, you know, wh- whether or not you are a staunch conservative, you know, right wing, you know, uh, person who, who just says, you know what, I'm sick of the liberal agenda. I, I'm tired of it. I'm sick of them trying to do something, you know, like we're going to throw down on this or, you know, taking the other side of the coin, which is, you know, to be honest, where I tend to lie is more like the liberal side and like a little bit more progressive. It's like, listen, like old white men who are happen to be rich typically it's like we're kind of sick of you running the show and you know like guess what like we're trying to make a movement towards more of a progressive younger way of doing things and that's going to include people of color it's going to include people of different genders and you know trans people and queer people and you know people from other countries who are immigrants and that's what we're going to do so or how are you going to stand in the way? And like, we're going to fight you every step of the way. And in regards to like voting and stuff, it's like, yeah, like there's, there's issues that, you know, the, the left has, you know, with like trying to fight every single battle and trying to win every single battle. But, you know, I think it's getting better and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, songs like this can kind of be a catalyst to, to kind of solidify that a little bit more and like, you know, get it a little bit more streamlined, but, you know, you, you can't, you, you just can't win them all. You know? Yeah. We can only hope. Yeah. We can only hope. <laughs> this is not a song that's getting to, uh, 
it's not going to have one of those revivals uh, where people vote it to the top of the charts, you know. Uh, so <laughs> hopefully right. someone comes along and uh, and starts to uh, use their voice to say something similar. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean, like I could I could easily see that this song was like a reaction to like Reagan, you know, right? Because at the time it's like it's like, hey man, like you know, he, like you walk through the lyrics, like hey, like we're gonna rise up, we're gonna like stand against everything that you're saying, like we're ready to fucking take you on, you know, you came up like you know, the whole bulldog front idea. It's like, you know, Reagan was particularly looked at as like this tough president, right? Especially if you pit it up against Carter, who was viewed as a weak president, right? So Joe Carter was like, yeah, like, you know, he, he kind of negotiated with terrorists. So it's like, you know what? I'm Reagan. Fuck terrorists. And like, you know, tear down this wall, like blah, blah, blah. And he had like this total like macho vibe to him. And so, you know, he also, you know, definitely did not stand up for people of color did not stand up for you know people during the aids epidemic you know until one of his friends you know was turned out to have it you know and like you know everyone's like dude fuck this guy like fuck this asshole this macho fucking cowboy asshole you know absolutely i i was just i was just um i was just thinking how like i like how both from you and from me this episode is probably the the highest profanity count of any I've recorded yet. I think that's that's part of the nature of the uh of the lyrics of this song. It's, it just sort of makes you want to uh you know, complain in vociferous terms about uh your bugbears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and look, you know, and I I don't mean to to be that guy with like a sailor mouth. I I know that depending on which way you look at it, like profanity either can elevate a conversation or it can like make it like lowbrow and and bad, but Honestly, man, I don't give a shit. So <laughs> there, there are no elementary schoolers listening to this podcast of that. I am sure. So um, yeah. don't have to be too concerned about it. No, nah, it's fine. Kids yeah. don't care about our our old man punk music. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's true. Um, uh, we we got off on talking about lyrics. Uh, sort of blew right past the like sonic qualities of this song. Uh, do you have anything you sure. want to say about that? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, as, as somebody who has, you know, taken a little bit of time to study the guitar work, the drumming, the bass, the bass playing, I mean, you know, I, I've played bass before, you know, I, I'm, I'm a huge, huge, huge fan of, you know, Brendan and Joe's work as the rhythm section in Fugazi and like, you know, the, 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 the two guitar approach that they've had. I mean, I know that on this album, it's, it's, um, not nearly as, um, centered around the two different guitars, but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I love their aesthetic, you know, that they, it, it's very straightforward in nature. Like, you know, it, like there's not like a ton of like effects on it. Actually, I don't think there's any effects on it except for like, when you get to the end, there's like a little bit of like a delay and like reverb, but, um, you know, like great room sounding drums, like that kind of just steady bass line. You know, the, the guitars are just, you know, it's just like so easy to get locked into like that rhythm, you know, and like it just speaks to like how they could use the instrument as, you know, something that's not as like all over the place and like wackadoo is like, you know, the typical like 1980s guitar approach is like, like, you know, just like noodling. It's like the antithesis to that, like very like very like rhythm oriented versus like trying to be like, yeah, we're going to like whack off on the guitar and it's going to like go everywhere a million miles an hour, and, you know, and, but you know, 
definitely utilizing like the dynamic approach of like, okay, we're going to start off kind of quiet and then it's going to get loud and it's going to come back to like quiet and then kind of like erupt again with that big, like you want to figure it out. You know, it's like, it's, it's just a great, I mean, like they, they, they did such a good job at like being thoughtful with all these songs, you know? And like, it's certainly been a, a, a catalog of work that I've, tried to study like in terms of like the way that I write songs. It's a good example of, you know, not only quiet loud, but just sort of musical tension and release. Cause that sure. they're alternating between these sort of two chords in the verse. I didn't like have a chance to analyze like what, what they're playing, you know, from a music theory perspective, but uh, it's, I mean, I mean, there's no resolution at all in the verse, right? It's, it's sort of like, it's always feels like it's building up to something. It's going to land on, on some note that feels like home, uh, but it puts that off. It puts that off. It doesn't do it until the the big chorus comes in. Um, right. So so that's that's a good template for like you know smart writing for, for if you want to have tension and then catharsis. Sure. Uh, and also that the, they transition between that like maybe musically my favorite part of the song is uh, the verse is ending and then there's just sort of this guitar note played over and over again bending up like uh yeah and that's that's something that that fugazi's gone back to a few times uh in a, just a smart way to like get that tension right up to the breaking point and burst into a big chorus oh sure yeah like, i mean it, it, it definitely takes you to the loud part in a way that's very graceful you know because you're starting off with like this very tight, like, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like kind of takes you there, you know, and it makes it less abrupt, you know, when you have that big opening during the chorus, you know, I gotta say, I think your imitations of, I think that's exactly perfect pitch. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's good stuff. I think that's exactly the same note as the record. It, oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I've listened to the song hundreds of times. Man. <laughs> I don't think I really like the drum sound on this one. It's kind of like maybe too much reverb for me. It's it's kind of thin, like a little bit washed out. Um, yeah, well, I mean, like their their earlier albums. I, I think actually most of their earlier albums like don't really have like the like a really high quality drum recording. You know, yeah. like you know, it's like. You, there's not like a ton of like really great like production on the drums. I mean, they, they sound good at least like for the, for the music itself. But um, I, I guess, I don't know though. Like, I, I don't want to say that it sounds bad either, you know, because you, I don't want to compare what they do to anything, you know, and it's, it's maybe it's like just a bias thing, but yeah. Um, it's but, sort of like but, the yeah, only I mean, thing you can compare them to is, you know, themselves on different songs, which is what I usually do. Well, sure, and like you know, you you kind of take it from album to album. Like like in on the Kill Taker is like pretty well thought of as like the guitar album, you know, because like they do so many cool, interesting things with the guitar on that album, you know. And then you know, like Argument is a little bit more about like kind of coming back to like the 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 lyrics and the songs itself, and like it's very like different and like kind of dubby. And then you know, End Hits is another like kind of guitar driven album, and you know, this, this album, I think has a lot more like stripped down of approach to it, but, um, yeah, I mean, every album's got its own unique quality and, you know, um, 
the 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 production level just changes you know i mean I, I, to, to a degree i mean there's there is a level of consistency though like be, between them all like they, they all sound like bugazi yeah yeah definitely well um you know we're speaking of how much we like the song it's perfect time to talk ratings So uh, you've heard the podcast before. We rate songs on a scale of one to five uh, within the context of the Fugazi catalog. Uh, how good of a Fugazi song is this? Uh, is Bulldog Front, in your opinion? On a scale of one to five, I, I mean, honestly, I would I would give this song a solid. I'd give it a solid four. Yeah, it's it's a it's a song that I come back to all the time. You know, it's it's not the one that I always come back to, or even like maybe in like the, the top 10 mm-hmm. for me, but, but it's a song that I can definitely listen to over and over and over. And I, I, I just never really get tired of it. You know, I, I sing along to it, you know? Yeah. For me, I think I diverge with you a little on this one. Uh, this is, it's not one of my favorites. I like, I'm, I've been trying to think of it in the context of, you know, if I were at a Fugazi show and they started playing the song at hand, uh, this one, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too excited about it. Uh, I might have to go two point five. It seems seems very low. And in in discussing it, um, I have gained more of an appreciation for it. But uh, I got to make tough choices in this in the course of this podcast. And I think it's going to well, be sure. two point five for this one. Yeah, and you can't give them all fives or anything, <laughs> you know. So, um, no, I, I hear you. I mean, like like this. This song off of this album is, you know, one of the ones that I like the most. So, you know, I'm kind of using that as like a degree for awesome. for the rating. So, well, hey, if you get around to uh, doing more Fugazi tribute type stuff, uh, maybe um, maybe a band that you're in should cover this because I actually I looked up on YouTube. I was trying to find people who did covers of this. There are precious few. I think I found two. Like one is a guy who's sort of multi-tracking himself, playing drums, bass, and guitar. Um, huh. The the only other one I found had, I think, literally, like, I don't know if it had any views, like zero thumbs up, zero thumbs down. So this is, this is not one of those songs that's well-known, I would say, in the Fugazi catalog. So uh, it's, a, right. it's a golden opportunity for anybody who is, uh, who's a fan of this song and wants to give it a good cover. Go out there and do sure. it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I, I'd be stoked to hear it. Um, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the tribute album, when we were putting it together, you know, I, I reached out to a ton of bands and, you know, so, so many of them just didn't have the time to, to, to really put anything together. And I don't think that anyone really gravitated towards this song. I don't think anyone mentioned it, but, um, it would have been one that I, I, I would have been really stoked to, to hear as well. Well, don't say any more about the tribute record until I introduce the segment, Plugs. And now go. Tell us, uh, where can listeners reach you? What do you want to plug? Where can we get the record? Where can we get anything else that you're involved with? Hey, great, yeah. Uh, So if you want to check out the Fugazi tribute album, you can learn more about it if you just go to www.sellthehartrecords.com. That's heart, like the organ heart, H-E-A-R-T. We also have um, just our web store, which is just sellthehartrecords.limitedrun.com. We also have it on Bandcamp. So if you just go to S-T-H-R dot bandcamp.com you can find it there 
Um, if you buy the record either digitally through Bandcamp, which that's the only place that you can buy it digitally, or if you buy it on vinyl, uh, the proceeds that we get from the sale of the record will actually be uh, donated to a charity organization, or it's a, a nonprofit here in the uh, East Bay called West Oakland Punks with Lunch. Um, they go out and do um, uh, work in the homeless community out here in the East Bay by providing food and harm prevention. And um, originally, the proceeds were going to a nonprofit in San Francisco called Taking It to the Streets. But unfortunately, they closed their doors a little over a year and a half ago because they just they, they couldn't continue to get funding. Um, we were able to raise a little over $2,300 for them. So we still have I think we still have, I think the last time I checked, it was like just over 200 copies of the album left. So there's still plenty. Um, you know, let me know if you want to pick one up and we'll get one to you. And um, anything else that's going on? We have a couple of other releases through the record label that came out recently. Bay Area band called the Middle Aged Queers, queer core band, a lot of fun. Also another band from the Bay called Unconditional Arms, which is an instrumental post-rock band um, that you might enjoy. Uh, also, I play in the band Tsunami Bomb. We had an album come out not that long ago that you should check out called The Spine That Binds. And um, yeah, besides that, just uh, check out the label, see what we got coming up. And yeah. Cool. Well, listener, uh, go into your uh, podcast app and look at details and I'll uh, put in the show notes uh, all those links that Andy mentioned. Andy Pohl, thanks so much for joining me talking about Bulldog Front. Uh, as for me... You can reach me, as always, at FugaziA2Z at gmail.com, and you can join the Facebook group, The Alphabetical Fugazi. Uh, give me your two cents on this song. And on next week's song, I hope you'll join me for the next episode when we will be discussing burning. Until then, keep your eyes open. <laughs>